Yesterday was the Sunday after Easter, and in a very unique and unprecedented season where details change daily, information streams shift constantly, facts that we hear in these last few days, facts we heard over the weekend, now contradict those facts, quote-unquote, that we heard three weeks ago. It's just a lot. And there are days that I feel overwhelmed. And I know that you do too. When we feel anxious, where do we go? Well, as the old song says, where do we go but to the Lord? I've said this many times that if we want to see an accurate picture of the character in the heart of God, we need to go to the book of Psalms. These psalms, or songs as they are, give an accurate picture of the heart of the Father and His love and care for His children, and that's us. This past week, I felt very deflated, very overwhelmed. And I'm going to share with you what I learned. Psalm 102. The psalmist writes, Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me. In the day when I call, answer me quickly. These opening lines sound an awfully lot like prayers which most of us the world over have prayed in recent days. And those of you who've been with us might remember what the word Hosanna means. We talked about that on Palm Sunday. That one word is very power-packed. Three phrases in that one word. Save us. We pray. We beg you now. And that's not unlike what the psalmist is writing there in, in verse 2 of Psalm 102. He continues, For my days have been consumed in smoke, and my bones have been scorched like a hearth. Cloudy days, where it's hard to see what's ahead. The body just seems unsettled. You lie down at night. We've all had those nights where we can't sleep because it's stuffy or sweltering. We toss, we turn. The psalmist continues, verse 4, My heart has been smitten like grass and has withered away, Indeed, I forgot to eat my bread. Because of the loudness of my groaning, my bones cling to my flesh. My heart is dry, it's withered. I'm even forgetting to eat. <laughs> when aches begin to make noise, when, when aches begin to have their own voice, we begin to waste away. Verse 6. I resemble a pelican of the wilderness. I have become like an owl of the waste places. I lie awake. I have become like a lonely bird on a housetop. Wild visuals. Strange comparisons. <laughs> I'm not an ornithologist. I'm not a bird scientist. But I can understand words, and you can too. Words like wilderness. Words like waste places. That phrase, the lonely bird on the housetop, 
what image does that does that bring up? That that's one of isolation. Who who hasn't felt that in the living of these days? The psalmist continues, verse 8, My enemies have reproached me all day long. Those who deride me have used my name as a curse. For I have eaten ashes like bread and mingled my drink with weeping. Enemies. Enemies. I, I don't think that most of us deal in that world where we have physical adversaries. But I sure know that we, we all deal with adversaries, enemies of the mind. Enemies of our emotions. Enemies that steal our peace. Enemies that promote anxiety. Enemies that convex to the point where food and drink bring no pleasure at all. We might as well eat ashes. The psalmist continues there in verse 10. Because of your indignation and your wrath... For you have lifted me up and cast me away. My days are like a lengthened shadow, and I wither away like grass. Like the psalmist here, we sometimes take it out on God, don't we? Why, God? Are you angry, God? Am I being punished? Hmm. There's times I feel that my days are growing darker and more dim. And, and there's that wither picture again. But then something happens. The, the script flips. Verse 12, But you, O Lord, abide forever, and your name to all generations. God dwells forever. He's not gone anywhere. God is not watching us, as the popular song of yesteryear used to say, from a distance. God is not watching us from a distance. God has always been here. He is here and will always be here. Didn't we hear Jesus himself say to us on Easter Sunday, Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Yes, yes we did. Verse 13, You will arise and have compassion on Zion, for it is time to be gracious to her, for the appointed time has come. The appointed time has come, and, and, and there's a lot that, that could be said about appointed time. If you remember, Zion, Jerusalem, due to her continued chronic unfaithfulness to God, ended up being defeated and conquered and parceled off into exile. And, and there's a psalm later on, Psalm 106, that has some verses that point to this. In Psalm 106, verse 41, we read about the Lord that he gave, he gave them, he gave his, his children, he gave Israel, he gave Jerusalem into the hands of the nations. In verse 41 of Psalm 106, we read that the Lord gave them into the hands of the nations, and their foes ruled over them. Their enemies oppressed them and subjected them to their power. Many times he delivered them, but they were bent on rebellion, and they wasted away in their sin. Yet he took note of their distress when he heard their cry. For their sake he remembered his covenant, his promise of loyalty. And out of his great love, the Lord relented 
He caused all who held them captive to show them mercy. In that same Psalm 106, we we read in verse 8, Yet he saved them for his name's sake, to make his mighty power known. When we read that God arises to show gracious compassion to his children, it is for the sake of his great name, his glory. And the appointed time is exactly that. It's a reservation. It's an appointment. It's already set up. It's intentional. In our humanity, in our finite nature, we don't always have the benefit of seeing the playbook, as it were, being played out in front of us. We don't have the opportunity to see big picture. We don't understand that God is always on time. And friends, if you hear nothing else, remember that God is never early. God is never late. God is always on time. And the appointed time always comes. Your name will be called. Your number will come up. Verse 14, the psalmist writes, Surely your servants find pleasure in her stones and feel pity for her dust. Pleasure and pity felt by the Lord's servants. And in a certain historical sense, those Israelites who remember the siege of Jerusalem by the Babylonians and the destruction of Solomon's temple, they they remember the stones, which, which were poignant reminders of, of the glory days of Jerusalem. But they see the dust and the ruins, and those are bitter reminders of the losses. And in the same way in our lives, we're able to see both stones and dust. Verse 15, so the nations will fear the name of the Lord, and all the kings of the earth your glory. And I would say that in these days, the nations are starting to fear the name of the Lord. The kings of the earth will fear the glory of the Lord. Every generation has leaders who are most impressed by themselves. And that's no different in our culture. We watch leaders who esteem themselves higher than the Lord and They'd better be careful. And the same goes for us as God's people. There are things that we want to take credit for, that the Lord is the one who orchestrates and the Lord is the one who does. But when we begin to take credit for those things, we had better be careful. Verse 16, For the Lord has built up Zion. He has appeared. He has appeared in his glory. He has regarded the prayer of the destitute and has not despised their prayer. He has appeared in his glory. Yes, yes, he has. Those wonderful words that we read at the close of every year at Christmas time. John chapter 1, verse 14. We read that the word became flesh and, and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. We have seen his glory full of grace and full of truth. Jesus, the word made flesh. And he has regarded the prayer of the destitute and has not despised their prayer. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, as Jesus begins what we refer to as the Sermon on the Mount, 
Jesus begins with this phrase, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The Lord hears and regards the prayers of the poor and the broken. Psalm 51, David's famous prayer following his sins with Bathsheba and the murder of her husband Uriah. Psalm 51 contains these words in verse 17. A broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Aren't we thankful? Aren't we thankful? The psalmist writes in verse 18, This will be written for the generation to come, that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. What an incredible statement. This will be written for the generation to come, that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. This psalm, this psalm is written to be read with all of its content, both heavy and hopeful. Do you know why? When life gets heavy, when it's hard to feel hopeful, this psalm and others like it are to be used by God's people to worship Him. This psalm was intended not just for the followers of the Lord in the days in which it was written, but for all the followers of the Lord who would come behind a, a heritage of hope, strong assurance, not a whim or a wish, but hope, strong assurance, that heritage when, when life is hard. It's a witness, it's a testimony, and, and those who come behind watch and witness how we believe and trust. Our children, watch us. How we trust the Lord. Parents, your children watch you. Grandparents, your children and your grandchildren, they watch you. How do we believe and how do we trust in the living of these days? Verse 19, For he looked down from his holy height, from heaven the Lord gazed upon the earth, to hear the groaning of the prisoner, to set free those who were doomed to death. And we see all this come to pass later in the New Testament. Do you remember Jesus in Luke chapter 4? When Jesus comes to Nazareth, where he was brought up, and, and as was his custom, he, he would go to the synagogue. He would go to the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he would read, and, and on this day, the the book, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, is handed to Jesus, and, and he opens the scroll, and he finds the place where it's written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. The psalmist continues there in verse 21 of, of Psalm 102, that men may tell of the name of the Lord in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem when the peoples are gathered together and the kingdoms to serve the Lord. You know, this is Old Testament. And, and we see this again later fulfilled. Many of you were with us and have listened to the, to the sermon on Palm Sunday. Do you remember when the men and the women and the children were gathered together to bless the name of the Lord in Zion, Jerusalem, 
and they praise Jesus with loud hosannas? Verse 23, he has weakened my strength in the way. He has shortened my days. And I say, oh my God, do not take me away in the midst of my days. Your years are throughout all generations. Here we see man's finite state contrasted with God and his infinite eternal presence. (laughs) It's weird to look in the mirror and see gray hairs where they were once dark brown. Aren't we glad that the good Lord who was present when each of us came into this world will, will be there to receive each of us in his infinite, unchanging, gracious presence? The psalmist continues in verse 25, Of old you founded the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Even they will perish, but you endure. And all of them will wear out like a garment. Like clothing you will change them, and they will be changed. The Lord of the heavens and the earth created the heavens and the earth, and is in control, period. The heavens and the earth are finite, but the Lord God is not. The heavens and the earth will all be changed. We hear those words, and one can't help but think about what the Apostle John wrote in the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. John shares his vision with us there in in Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne, saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death, there will no longer be any mourning, or any crying, or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Don't these words bring us hope? Psalm 102 comes to a close in this way. Verse 27, But you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. The children of your servants will continue, and their descendants will be established before you. Again, seeing our heritage of hardship, but our heritage of hope and faith and trust continue in our children and our children's children. We have a Savior who is infinite and unchanging. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8 reminds us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. We have a Savior who who came to dwell among us and knows us intimately. Why do we read this? Why don't we read this? Can't we relate to the words of this psalm? These are psalm lyrics. These are real emotions of someone who is overwhelmed. 
And that's part of the beauty of these psalms. White hot emotions in psalms like these. There's frustrations. Isolation. Questions of a perceived absence of God. You know, even Jesus, the sinless Son of God, felt a similar way when he hung on the cross for us. Do you remember what Jesus said on Good Friday? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was bearing the weight of the entire world, literally the weight of all the sins that had been, that were being committed, and that would ever be committed by all people in all creation. God the Father, in his holiness, could not look at all of that sin. But do you remember Jesus saying in John chapter 10, verse 30, I and the Father are one? Oneness of nature, oneness of essence, oneness of redemptive power. The payment for sin debt, the forgiveness of that sin debt, requires a sacrifice. So God the Son took all of that upon himself. God the Son took all of that upon himself so that we could be forgiven. The sinless Son of God became sin for us so that we could know the forgiveness and the righteousness of God. The last few weeks you've heard me cite this scripture, Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that, that God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So when we feel overwhelmed, when we feel like the weight of the world is on us, we can remember that we have a Savior who chose to take the weight of our sin upon him. We are not alone. We are not forgotten. Again, God is never early. God is never late. God is always on time. And the appointed time always comes for the Lord to show his compassion for us. For the sake of his great name, the Lord has appeared in his glory. Jesus has come to dwell with man. And Jesus will come again in glory in his appointed time. That's the beautiful thing about the gospel. Life with Jesus, life forever.